Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, we're finishing up our series entitled Followship, and it's been a study through 2 Peter, and we are going to finish up chapter 3 today, and it, it kind of encapsulates all the different themes that Peter has already been speaking to us about. Uh, chapter 3 is basically a plea to God's people to stand firm and follow truth, and that has been the encouragement uh, throughout the book. And so if, if you brought your Bibles or if you have your, uh, uh, your, your digital platform, whatever it would be, uh, look in Second Peter. We're going to spend a lot of time going through the passage today. And so I, I don't want you to miss out on, on the nuances of the scriptures in here and really the journey that Peter is going to take us on. And so I, I want to back you up a little bit. If you haven't been with us or just as a reminder, and you'll understand why I use the word reminder, because Peter uses it so much in this book in this letter that he has to us. And make, mo make no mistake that this letter is for us. This is not a generation uh, or a letter for a generation that went past. This one was intended for us, and Peter makes it very clear in there. He has urgency throughout his letter. And so I want you to hear it a little bit in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And again, this is his second letter that he wrote. He'll even reference that at the end. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 15 are intriguing for me. And they, they set the tone for the entire letter. Listen to what it says. I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. Let me read that again. This might be a familiar voice in your life. I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like a nagging parent. I'm going to stay away from the nagging spouse. You know, us husbands, we're kind of nagging, aren't we? Yeah, everybody's bailing out on me right now. I can feel it. Don't know where he's going. Don't know what he's about to say. But, uh, but Peter is nagging us in here. Listen to this. I will always remind you, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. You already know them, and you are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. I'm going to keep reminding you, you already know it, you're standing firm. And then he says, I will always work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Let me ask you this, if you're a parent in here, or if you can imagine being a parent, or even if you're a child, maybe you can, can understand this in the reverse. What child has ever gone to their parent while they're still on this earth and said, hey, you were spot on, Dad. You nailed it. I gave you a lot of grief throughout my life, but you nailed it. You were right. Thank you. Wouldn't as a parent you'd just like to hear that once, twice, 
Because we parents, we're right. Amen? Okay, I knew you were out there. I knew I'd find some of you. But uh, Peter is being the nagging parent. He's, he told them, I'm going to keep reminding you of this. He told you, you're actually doing pretty well at it. In fact, you're standing firm. But I'm going to keep on telling you. I'm going to keep on telling you. I'm going to keep on telling you. Let me tell you why Peter is so passionate about this. Because you have to know a little bit about Peter to understand where his nagging comes from. Because he knows something that we do not know. He fully understands something that we do not know. Number one, he has seen the transfiguration, as we call it, of Jesus right before his eyes. Secondly, Jesus predicted his death. John chapter 21, verses 18 through 19. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. Jesus talking to Peter. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. He's not telling Peter, hey, you were young, then you're going to be old later and people are going to dress you for you. No, he said, he said, you will stretch out your hands. He's talking about crucifixion. And we know from tradition that Peter was crucified. In fact, he chose to be crucified upside down. Jesus told him, he says, Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Peter knew his time was limited. Peter had seen the truth about Jesus. He was chosen as the one to see what none of us will ever see, which is the body of Christ being transfigured right before his eyes. But then there's another thing that Peter knows. Peter failed. When it counted the most, when it mattered the most, Peter didn't follow through. Mark chapter 14, this is the very night, the very night before Jesus will be betrayed and arrested. Peter makes a promise to Jesus. Mark chapter 14, verse 29, he says, Peter told Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, Jesus, I never will. You ever made a promise like that to God or another person? This was a promise, and he said, Jesus... And Jesus is talking about people will betray him. And, and Peter basically interrupts in that style that he does a lot and says, Jesus, no, not me. I will never, never, never desert you. And many of us know what Jesus said. He goes, you know, Peter, let me tell you the truth. Peter, this night, tonight, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Three times, Peter. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking? He's like, no, I won't do it. 30 verses later in our passage, just hours later for Peter, 
verse 65, it says, they began to spit at Jesus. Jesus is sitting there. The trial is beginning. He's been arrested. The trial has begun. He's in front of the religious leaders, literally about to go stand before the legal trial, and Peter is hanging out. Peter is around, and he says, they began to spit at Jesus, and they blindfold him. They beat him with their fists, prophesied to us. They, they mocked him, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. Meanwhile, Peter is in the courtyard below. So you have this whole thing going on where Peter or Jesus is up there. He's being mocked, and Peter is just kind of drifting off to the side. And, and as the scripture says, he's warming himself by the fire. Don't separate the promise he gave to Jesus by days, years, months. Because it was only hours before, and it is fresh on Peter's mind, the promise he made. It says, meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, hey, you're one of those with Jesus, aren't you? This is his moment. Remember what he said? I'll never desert you. I'll never deny you. But Peter denied it. He says, I don't know what you are talking about. And he went out into the courtway, the entryway, and just then the rooster crowed. Here, here's why Peter is so qualified to tell us the story here. Peter is disqualified because he failed himself. Peter thought he was ready. But he was not. And I apologize. I moved my mic and I made it weird. I apologize to the guys up there. But Peter thought he was ready just hours before. And when the test came, he was not ready. And so I want you to look at chapter 3 in light of that, that. That Peter thought he was ready. But then when push came to shove, he wasn't. And what Peter is saying you guys are just like me, but you don't know because you haven't experienced it yet. You need to know you have to be on guard, and that's today's big idea. Be ready for his return. Let's pray, and then we'll head on into chapter 3. Father, I pray that you would help us to be ready. Father, I thank you for the perspective of Peter, yet, Lord, in all sincerity, I don't want it. I don't want to be the guy that, that denied you, yet, Father... I look back over my life and time and time again I have. And Father, yet I, I say that I stand firm, but Father, there are times when it gets tough and I don't. I pray that I will take these words, that we will take these words and we will heed the caution, heed the warning of Peter. And Father, I pray that your word would come alive to us as we read through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to hang out in chapter 3 now. And again, this is a strong conclusion to his second letter. And as we walk through it, I want you to hear the repetitive themes. If, you, if you've been with us for chapter 1 and chapter 2, you're going to hear the same things being repeated back to Peter. In verse 1, it starts with this. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. He's starting to wind down the letter. This is my second letter. And he goes, in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. He says, in both of them, I've tried to refresh your memory. And, and here's what I would say. If, if you're the person that sits in church week after week, you know, month after month, and you say, you know, I've, I've heard this before. Be careful. 
because it is that attitude that Peter is talking about. If, if you get to the point where you say, you know, I've heard it before. I know this. I got this. This warning is for you to be ready. Verse 2, he gives a reminder. He goes, I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. There's a lot of theological things we can learn from, from 2 Peter especially chapter 3. One thing here is that he is pointing back to Scripture and he is reminding us, as he has in chapters 1 and chapters 2, he is reminding us that make sure that Scripture is your filter for everything. Scripture has to be your absolute truth. Not what you read about Scripture, not what other people tell you about Scripture, not even what people tell you about Scripture who are up here, myself included. You have to know the Word of God on your own. And what Peter is saying here, what is very interesting is, is he takes the holy prophets that they knew at that time, and then he expanded the authority of, of the prophets to include the apostles, which was him. And this is important, because when we talk about Scripture, we wonder, did Peter really know he was writing Scripture at that time? Well, I'd submit to you he did, because he's saying this, I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago, and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. And so Scripture has been expanded to include the apostles, and they are now a part of the authoritative Word of God. We have to know our Scripture. We have to be fully versed in it. And, and Pastor Ed said this a couple weeks ago. He said, if we believe that Scripture is only a helpful book, and not the authoritative Word of God, then we have no spiritual foundation upon which to build our life. And what you'll find ourselves doing is that, is that we'll follow anything. Anything that looks good, that looks pretty, that looks shiny, we'll go to it. <laughs> and and, and we, we get torn away by the little things. So whatever appears right at the time, we will follow. But we have to know the Scriptures. Here's the reason why Peter gives it to us. Verse 3, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. It is through Scripture is the only way we're going to recognize false teachers. Through Scripture, our own reading of Scripture is the only way that we will recognize scoffers. It is only through the Scriptures that we ourselves will be able to do that. All the other studies are good, but ground yourselves in the actual Word of God and know them and study them. Here's one thing I want to point out that is very important. I, I just told you that Peter expanded the Scriptures to include not only the prophets, the Old Testament, but the apostles, the New Testament. Here's what you need to know now and I need to know now. Scripture is closed. He expanded it to include the apostles, but he limits it to the apostles and the prophets. Don't let anybody add to the Word of God in your life. And that's why we have to know the Word of God. He says, verse 2, remember what the Holy Prophet said and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. No one has the same authority today as those did who are giving us the Scriptures. I've told this story a couple times, but in, uh, in seminary I had... Uh, I, I took Romans, and it was the most challenging course I've ever taken in my life. 
for about the first six weeks. And then it got really easy because something flipped. And uh, Dr. Rodney Wu was my professor. He's a pastor out in Houston, an amazing, challenging uh, man of God. But every day we walked in, we had a quiz, which was going to account for 50% of our grade. And this quiz was just 20 questions. And it was about what you read, you know, the, the week before. No big deal. This will be easy. Good. He's given us a quiz, so that'll help my grades, 50% of my grade. My first, my f very first grade was a 10. <laughs> 10. Not a 70, not a 60, a 10. I worked my way up to about a 15, then back to a 10 the next time. Got a 25 one time. I was kind of excited. You know, I was like, ooh. I'm doing pretty good. And then I don't know if you've ever seen kind of how groups work, but I, when I go to a place, I don't know why, I sit towards the back on the left-hand side. That's just what I do. And, uh, and apparently other people just like me do the exact same thing because we're still getting our 10s, our 15s, occasional 25. All of a sudden, across the room over there, good grades are starting to happen. Like hundreds, not you know, it's like they went from fives, tens, and fifteens to now they are getting a perfect score. And we're notice it's kind of spreading around the room. So one day after class, we, we went up and said, okay, what's going on? Why are you guys now getting hundreds and we're still getting fifteens and tens? And they just, they just kind of looked at us and they smiled. They go, uh, they go are, are, are you reading the stuff? Yeah. I mean, they go, no, are, you're reading the book about Romans, you know, our, our big, big, it was a big old book. They go, are you reading the actual passage before you come to class? No. Why would I do that? They go, trust me. Trust me. Just read, read the verses that we're going to talk about that day. I'm like, well, that's stupid, but I'll do it. And uh, so we all came back. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Dr. Rodney Wu was a brilliant man. And what he did is he picked out the easiest things in Scripture, but if you didn't read the actual text, you were going to fail his class. I don't know how he did it. Still don't know how he did it to this day. But as soon as we started reading the text, we started making hundreds. And it was about that time he stepped back. And uh, it was, again, it was probably a month or two into the, to the course. And, and he just kind of gave us a huge admonishment and said, you know what, you guys came here and you were failing my class, but when you started reading the actual word of God, you started passing. He goes, exactly what Peter is saying, exactly what I'm saying, don't just read about the scriptures, read the scriptures for yourself. That, that was the heaviest lesson I've ever gotten. Here's what's going on. They're getting a warning. And, and here's the why to know the scriptures is because scoffers will come. And here's going to be the error of the scoffers. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago. By the word of his command that he brought the earth out of water and surrounded with water, then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Verse 7, and by the same word, present the heavens and earth to have been stored up for fire, and they are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Scoffers, what they tend to do is they don't acknowledge the judgment of God. 
they presume on the patience of God. A scoffer will talk themselves into thinking that, you know what, God is not really serious about judgment. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it's a harsh reality, but God will judge the world through fire. He's already judged the word, world through water, and he will judge the world through fire. And we need to know that. We, you know, it, it's just a reality that is coming, but we have this tendency to act like a scoffer that we forget about the justness of God. We forget about the justness of God. For example, we tend to ignore the things of the judgment that God has done. If you walk into any, any, any children's, you know, ministry room and you see the ark, there are a bunch of smiley animals, two by two, going into the ark, right? And then there's a rainbow, then there's the smiley animals coming off the ark. Don't forget, that ark represents a massive rescue mission from when God judged the world. God is a God who stays firm to his word, but he is patient. Verse 8 don't forget one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Be careful to only translate or consider that verse in relation to end times. This is not the magical key to end times. It plays in, don't get me wrong, but that's not what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. What he's saying, don't accuse God of never acting. Don't accuse God of being really, really slow. Understand why he is slow. Put on his lens. Michelle and I traveled to Texarkana yesterday morning. We drove back from Texarkana yesterday evening and this morning. Have you ever noticed that when you go on a trip, it seems like a really long time, but coming back, time just speeds up. I don't know why that is, but your perception of time just kind of fast forwards. Now, you want to make that trip seem really long? Put a two-year-old in the back seat. <laughs> because time to a child goes way slower than a time to adult. Just ask any parent at 2 a.m. on Christmas morning. You know, ask any parent about things. I mean, the time to a child just seems to go by slow. I remember my own years in high school as we honor these graduates. High school seemed like forever. Let me tell you what, high school for my kids seems like yesterday. High school went fast as a parent. Imagine how different it is for God in the perception of time. Now here's why it's so important is verse 9. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. He is being patient for your sake, and he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 
Many of us today are happy that God did not come back in the last 10 years or 10 years ago because we are reaping the benefits of coming to know God in the last few years that if he would have come back sooner, where would we be? But make no mistake, God is coming back. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Here's our response. And this is where it comes to be ready for Christ's return. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day that God, the day of God, and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. He says something in here, verse 12. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Uh, some of your translations might say, hasten the day of the Lord. The implication there is that we can speed up God's coming. And honestly, I would like to do that. If, if you want to speed up God's coming back, because the days are feeling very long for you, and, and, and go, if, if you want to speed that up, change your perspective. Peter is telling us two things. The word of God and people are the only two things that are eternal. And if you want to hasten the day of the Lord, focus on those two things. Care about people, care about the word of God, and invest in those things. If you invest in anything else, all those will fade away and they will go away. But if you will invest in the word of God and invest in people, you know what? You're going to find that your thinking will no longer be like a child. Your thinking will be like an adult, and the time will fly by because you're part of his mission. When you are on the battlefield, when you are part of the mission, you are hastening the day because you are on top of things. You have changed your perspective. And so you're not growing weary anymore. You're refreshing yourself in the Word. You're refreshing yourself by investing in other people. And so you have changed your perspective by looking forward. Verse 13, be we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so I encourage you this. Don't have the mentality of, I'm good, God. Come on. Don't have that mentality because that's not God's mentality. God is patient so that no one would perish, but that everyone would have eternal life. Put your perspective on those things. Be ready. Be ready. Be, be on guard. And he gives this one final warning. And he talks about Paul in here. He goes, this is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom he gave. Verse 16. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And this is another little side note, and I apologize for this, but this is important. I can't go away from today without saying this. Some of his comments, talking about Paul, this is Peter talking about Paul, says some of his comments are hard to understand. Some of you have opened your Bible and you said, you know what? That's a little bit hard to understand. And what Peter is saying, that's okay. Peter would agree with you. But he says, those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the scripture. Now, don't miss it. Peter has affirmed Paul's writing also as authoritative. 
And he goes, when you twist the letters to mean something quite different, just as you do with other parts of the scripture, this will result in their destruction. Know your scripture and don't make scripture mean something it never intended to mean. Don't twist it for your own purpose. Don't listen to people that will make you hear what you want to, or, 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 or will say what you want to hear and make you feel good. Scripture will make you feel good all on its own because it's all about the grace of God, but it will also put you in the truth. And so my next step for this, number one, be on guard. Be on guard. Verse 17, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard, and you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure fitting. Be on guard. Do you remember the story when Peter was reinstated, as we call it? If you remember right, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then we have in Scripture where Jesus, after his resurrection, he goes to Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? And this is important because Jesus knew that Peter had felt just like absolute failure, but then Jesus takes the time to restore him methodically by the very number of times he denied Jesus is the very number of times he restored Peter. He says three times, Peter, do you love me? But I want you to catch something in that. Because Peter had dropped his guard. Just hours earlier, remember, he made a promise. Even if anyone else deserts you, I never will. And then <laughs> moments later, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, who is this Jesus guy? I want you to watch how Peter is restored. I want you to read it and listen to it. I'm in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And again, this is going back to why we need to be on guard. Jesus asked Peter, and listen to what he called Peter. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. What you have to know about Peter is his original name is Simon. It means learner. And it, it means listen or be heard, learner, all these different connotations of listening and learning. Peter, the name means rock. And Jesus changed his name to Peter and said, I'm going to call you rock because I'm going to build my church upon you. You are going to be the foundation. You're going to be the cornerstone. You're the first pope. You are the guy. And that's why Jesus invested so much in Peter. But then he kept on saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Enzen said Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. I want you to think about this. Jesus changed his name to Peter, meaning rock. But in this moment when he's restoring him, he's calling him Simon. And he actually does that kind of throughout a little bit when he's getting on to Peter. Think about the gut punch that must be. I think Peter is just, it's not the question that's getting him. This is my speculation. I, I think it's the name. 
because he's going back and he's not saying, hey, rock, do you love me? He's going back and he's saying, hey, learner, do you love me? Hey, listener, do you love me? And he's going back and he's appealing to Peter's old self before he ever knew Jesus. And I think that was the biggest punch in the gut for Peter to be called Simon over and over and over again. But Jesus restored him. And I want you to think this. He knew he was going to become, Jesus had told him that he was going to become the rock. But what Jesus was telling him, hey, old self, quit acting like your old self. Feed my sheep. Be the rock. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said one last time, then feed my sheep. Be on guard, number two, grow in grace and knowledge. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we grow in our knowledge, we grow in our grace. God's grace doesn't magically get bigger. Our experience of God's grace gets bigger. Be on guard. Don't rely on your old self. And then grow in that grace and knowledge. We have to be ready for his return. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter's encouragement to us. And Lord, I pray that I myself would be more like him. Lord, remembering when I've failed you, Lord, and only challenging me to be ready and to be on guard. Father, let me never say about your word that I've heard this too many times. Father, never let me say, I've got this. Father, I pray that you would keep me on my knees, humble before you, and ready to do whatever it is that you have called us, Lord. And I pray this for all of us, Lord. And we ask all this in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Again, I'll be in the hospitality room. would love to meet some of you guys. And if you have any questions about membership or next step to your spiritual journey, come see us. We'd love to talk to you.